I have found in my experience that most people, including employees, want to do the right thing. But where we fail is when we don't listen to them. We don't take their ideas into consideration. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to Episode 7 of Improv is No Joke Podcast. Peter Margaritas here, and thank you very much for tuning in today. I greatly appreciate it. I'm so excited about today's guest, Karen Young, founder and president of HR Resolutions and the author of the wildly successful book, Stop Knocking on My Door, Drama-Free HR to Help Grow Your Business. Before I give you a little more about Karen's background, I'd like to share with you a review that I received on iTunes. This is from CDY32, and the headline reads, Improv is more important than you think. He writes, I never thought that improvisation would bleed over into the business world, but after listening to Peter explain the concepts, I know now that it is vital. CDY32, thank you for this wonderful review, and I hope you enjoy future episodes. If you've been listening to the podcast, I would greatly appreciate if you take a moment and write a review. It helps the podcast get greater visibility within the iTunes community. Also, if you've not signed up for the SN Challenge, please go to my website, petermargaritas.com, and scroll down to the SN Challenge call to action, click to register to begin this journey of transformation. And remember to share your experiences on Twitter using the hashtag YesAndChallenge or on the Accidental Accountant's Facebook page. If you're unsure of what the Yes and Challenge is all about, please go back and listen to episode zero. This is where I discuss the Yes and Challenge in more depth. This week, I'd like to share with you a video that has a direct relationship with improvisation. It is the 2006 commencement address to the graduating seniors at Knox College from Stephen Colbert. In his commencement speech, he talks about his introduction to Yes and while studying at Second City in Chicago. I will provide you with a link to the video in the show notes, along with the downloadable transcript. It is well worth your time to watch. Now back to Karen Young. Karen has over 25 years experience in human resources, having worked with distribution service and manufacturing organizations in lowering HR costs and increasing bottom lines. In addition to her book writing, consulting, and speech work, Karen has been recognized as one of Pennsylvania's best 50 women in business. Karen lives in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, with her husband, Barry, and the retired Greyhounds. That is two retired Greyhound dogs, not Greyhound buses. So without further ado, here's the interview with Karen Young. Hey, welcome back to Improv is No Joke. This is Pete Margaritas, and I'm happy today to have, as my guest, Karen Young. She is an author of a best-selling book, Stop knocking on my door, drama 
free HR to help grow your business. I'm sorry. Every time I read that drama free piece, I always, I always kind of laugh because drama free HR in my mind to some degree could be like an oxymoron within the workplace. But I absolutely love her book. Uh, I, the, the review that I gave it is a must read for all entrepreneurs because Karen states no resource is more important than the people who work for you. She explores all areas of human resource management and gives you helpful hints and where to look for the landmines. One of my favorite is hire slow, fire fast, step carefully, and act decisively. Great advice. Thanks for sharing such an insightful book to help create a drama-free workplace. Please welcome Karen Young. Hi, Pete. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And yes, there is such a thing as drama-free HR. <laughs> Karen, first, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I greatly appreciate you uh, uh, being a guest on my show, and I'm so looking forward um, to hearing the insightful words that you have to give to my audience on how they can create a drama-free uh, workplace. But first, Karen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am not an accidental HR person. I am an intentional HR person, but I do work with the accidental HR person who uh, oftentimes is the accountant or the finance person who has uh, ended up with the HR because they handle all the other confidential stuff. So they might as well have the HR as well. Um, discovered in college that this is what I wanted to do. And much like you, I was a headhunter for a period of time and then got into payroll. So I, I get the numbers part of it. Uh, probably the most difficult transition for me professionally was going from payroll to HR because payroll is very black and white. HR is anything but black and white. It's all the gray areas. And, you know, I really enjoyed your book. Thank you. I did not realize how much of what we do really is improv. And um, when I first read, you know, improv is no joke, I'm thinking to myself, it doesn't sound good for an HR person to be publicly telling people that um, everything we do is improv. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know what, when it comes right down to it, it, it is because our job in HR is to say yes and. But most HR people say no. We can't do that. <laughs> and that's where you get the drama when you have people saying no. So you and I need to work together on getting this message out. The answer is yes and. Well, thank you for the reference to the book. And you're right. Yes, and is the, is the way to go. It's motivating. It's inspiring. It keeps conversations going. But the one thing that people can think of when, when I talk about yes and, I have to kind of steer them down a different path. We're not saying yes to everything. It's okay. It's, it's okay to say no. And there's sometimes that we do say no, but the yes. And it's about really exploring somebody else's ideas. It's, it's stepping into their reality to try to get an understanding of where they're coming from in order for us to maybe steer the conversation in a way and explore the conversation that maybe this is something we could do, or maybe it's something right now is a no but it's a wonderful idea. Now you own this idea and you're going to keep this idea alive and bring it back to us maybe th three months, six months, a year from now to see if maybe it fits in. Absolutely. And that ties in so well to 
creating a drama-free HR environment because I have found in my experience that most people, including employees, want to do the right thing. But where we fail is when we don't listen to them. We don't take their ideas into consideration. We say, yes, but, instead of yes, and. Or having what I call a courageous conversation and saying, we really can't do that right now because we have to take it a little further and explain to them the why. And generally, they may not like it, but they'll have a better understanding of why it might have to be no right now. I was going to say courageous conversations. Yes. Uh, I think that's hard for a lot of people. It and is. And it's, it's hard a lot you know, for um, some in, in the, the accounting profession. What would be one tip that you could give my audience on how to approach those courageous conversations? <laughs> Practice, in all honesty, as weird as that sounds, uh, write your talking points down. Practice with someone, become comfortable in what you have to say, and don't beat around the bush. I mean, have that. The sooner you have the conversation, the easier it will be. And that even ties back into what you said about hire slow and fire fast. If you've made the decision to fire, you are not doing anyone any favors by dragging that out. Or by coming up with a million reasons why, you know, I'm I'm so sorry, Pete, we're eliminating your position and it really, it's got nothing to do with you. And, you know, I know we've had a few performance conversations along the way, but really this has nothing to do with you. It's all about the business and we're restructuring and we talk around it and we say we're going to lay somebody off knowing that we're going to be hiring to fill the position next week. Be honest and just be short and sweet and be honest. And quite frankly, do practice because it makes that courageous conversation a little bit easier when you know ahead of time about what you're going to say. Wow. I just had a number of flashbacks. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I Actually, I had a flashback to the time that I was uh, uh, laid off at Victoria's Secret Catalog, not as a model, and uh, it. yeah, when they eliminated Ooh, my HR inappropriate. <laughs> when uh, uh, they eliminated my my uh, department, and um, I, I can I just sort of relive that. Yeah, uh, sorry. Oh, oh, that that that's okay. That's that, yeah. that's okay. Uh, and I do. Back to your book, I th- you've laid out a, a wonderful roadmap for any entrepreneur to, to pick up your book and, and put the systems and processes and procedures in place in order to, from an accounting perspective, to be compliant. Because there, yes. you, you talk about a, a ton of the compliance issues that we all must be aware of, even when we hire one employee. I know that still boggles my mind, even when we look at one employee. Um, it, as soon as you hire one person, and it, the most entertaining one to me is that as soon as you hire one employee, you're responsible for the Equal Pay Act. So be sure that you pay that one person the same thing that you would pay that one person. I, uh, 
But so be sure you pay them equally to themselves. Uh, however, with only one employee, you are responsible for the Equal Pay Act. There's actually almost a dozen employment regulations that you're responsible for with only one employee. And depending upon the state that you're in, it may be even more. For example, Arizona, you cannot discriminate. As soon as you hire one employee, you have to have non-discrimination policies in place for just one employee. Wow. So each state is different, but from a federal standpoint, you're looking at a dozen employment regulations. Who knows that stuff? I didn't even know that stuff until I uh, started my own business. And that's how I found out because I had been in big business. So, I mean, heck, we're in big business. Once you're over 50 employees, you're just responsible for all the regulations. You're just playing with the big boys over 50. But still, that group from the one to 50 employees, there are employment regulations that are out there that you're probably not going to be aware of. And one part of drama-free HR is being aware of your risk and making an informed business decision. You may make a risky decision, but that's okay if it's informed and you know what your risk is. That reduces your drama. If you say, I'm going to fire this person today without the documentation in place, okay. It's a business decision, but just be ready for what the implications of that might be. Be ready for the yes and if I do this. And some of those implications could be. They could be. Um, you're generally, if you're terminating, you're most likely going to have an unemployment insurance exposure. So you're probably not paying that directly, but that's coming out of your piece of the pie that you've paid into unemployment. If they are over the age of 40, you could be looking at an Age Discrimination and Employment Act. If they had some illness that you may or may not have known about, they could say, well, Pete, you fired me because I, am, I have depression. And you didn't even know that they had depression. So they can bring a disability complaint forward. And the thing that as business owners that we need to be aware of, and, and not only in the employment realm, but anywhere, we can be sued for anything at any time. Is it a lawsuit that is going to go anywhere? Possibly not, but we still have to defend it. And so we have risk and cost involved in that. But we can't make our business decisions because we are afraid of those. We just need to be aware of them. Um, unemployment, you know what? In the long run, it's probably less expensive to the health and the well-being of the organization to end the employment of someone that is not a fit. You might have that short-term pain of the unemployment exposure, but the long-term gain is, is a cost-benefit. You know, the same with hiring. When do you make the decision to offer benefits? You know, there's a cost involved in that. So explore what your options are and make an informed decision. You don't, as a business owner, have to know everything, but know when to ask for help and know when to find out. When am I? Don't be accidental. And don't be accidental with your accounting, don't be accidental with your HR. Know when to say, hey, I need to look a little further into this to make an informed decision. And when you're talking about 
employment and letting someone go because they're not a right fit. Yes. I, I think a question that the business owner should ask, are they a, not a right fit in my organization or are they not a right fit in the specific job? Excellent. Because- and there are two distinct competencies or fit areas that you need to look at. And the one, the overriding is, do they fit in my overall culture? Right. The question I'm finding with many of my small employers is, do we even know what our own culture <laughs> is? So that adds some drama. That adds some challenge. We don't even know what our own culture is. Uh, the best thing I did for my organization a couple years ago was develop a solid vision, mission, and values statement. So that everybody, we are all working toward the same goal. Everyone here knows what the vision is. They know what the mission is. We all work around our core values. I actually changed our recruiting last year. Instead of a traditional job application, applicants need to reply to us with their understanding of our core values and what our core values mean to them. Wow, that's wonderful. And wow. What a difference that made. And I'll tell you what, from a traditional HR person, that was, it, it you know, kind of gave me the hair on the back of my neck went up <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I'm stepping outside of the box. Oh no, <laughs> you're supposed to have an applicant fill out an application. Oh no. <laughs> so we do still get the application <laughs> completed, but only by those that are moving forward into the interview process. But the, the first application with us is, tell me about what our core values mean to you. Because I can teach somebody how to do a handbook review. I can say, these are the things you look for. Here's the checklist. I can't teach someone that HR is fun. They get it or they don't get it. It is fun for them or it isn't. If it's not fun for them, they will lose their mind working in this organization. <laughs> yeah, because you're dealing with people. Yes. <laughs> Every single day. Yes. But I, I even ask my audiences, um, what business are they in? And they'll go, you know, I'm in accounting services or consulting. I, I go, no, 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 no. You're in the people business first and foremost. And you, you address it real well in your book because without people, you have no employees. Right. Without people, you have no clients, customers, whatever. So uh, I, I always remind audiences that we are in the people business. We need to uh, go into that area that we might not be as comfortable with, but need to get very comfortable. And I absolutely love your new interviewing process that you put in place by having them basically tell you how they fit into the mission, the vision, the core values of your organization yes. before you move on to the next step. Because just in that instance, you know that one, they've done their homework, they're mm-hmm. coming prepared and you can get a sense. I would say, I would think right off the bat, if they're either, they're going to be a great fit, they're not going to fit at all. And then you've got the gray area. Right. Has that, what, what results have you seen from that? Uh, it's just, it's, it has dramatically, we, we click now as an organization, uh, the, it's gray and misty, but we, we click, everybody here gets it. Going the extra mile for a client is second nature to us. And it is, you, you don't even talk about 
going the extra mile for a client. You just do it. My employees know that they, oh, and this is a buzzword that just gets my goat, but it fits. They are empowered to do what they need to do for our clients without having to run to me and say, you know, can I do this extra little work for them and not bill them for it? Can I just take care of this for them? Well, absolutely. They don't even need to ask me. It. what does our client need? Take care of it. Make, wow them. You know, how many, how large is your organization? We have exactly, and I love to say this, we have four and a half employees. Uh, we started an internship program and I am thrilled by that. That's our half employee, but uh, that's a very valuable employee. And we use the same process with our interns as well. So our interns even, and they're not going to have the practical HR experience. So I'm not going to be able to evaluate their hard skills because they only have textbook skills. So yeah. it is critical that they understand the values. If they have the values, I am more than glad to mentor and teach and train them and give them that practical experience that they need so that they can go out into the work world and say, look, I do have experience in HR. Wow, that's great. And I'm still I'm still wowed by the whole concept of, of first in the interview process, getting them to talk about the mission, vision, and core values. And I would think that it doesn't matter the size of the organization. Not at all. Not at all. If you, and for those of you who are listening to this in my audience, think about your hiring practices and taking this wonderful advice. I knew there's going to be lots of great nuggets, but this is a huge, <laughs> oh, thank this, you. this is a boulder in my mind. Oh, uh, thank you. Of, oh, yeah. of how can now, critical thing, Pete, is they need to know what their core values are. Right. And we started this with there are core values for the organization. Now, within each job, there are also going to be values and competencies that the individual must possess. For example, our HR coordinator must be very detail oriented. Our HR manager, not so much. Mm. Our HR manager is working more in the gray area. So there are there are those individual fit pieces within the job as well. And we need to pay attention to those too, because you may have an individual that isn't a fit in their job, but they are in the overall organization. And if you can find a way, get them in. And I, I never remember authors, so I shouldn't be giving citations. Oh, Scott Collins. Okay. <laughs> Again, another another cliche, but get the right people in the right seats on the right bus. So if they're not a fit in one job, that doesn't mean that you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Oh, all these cliches. It's a nature. <laughs> we have acronyms for everything and we use cliches to demonstrate our points. But you may be able to find a way in which they can really click within the organization, but just not in that job. Great point. And, and I think a lot of times maybe we are thinking too much inside the box to say mm -hmm. to this individual who's not fitting into that job that maybe they possess some quality or, or skill set that maybe we create a new job for this person. If we see that they fit with an organization, they can't bring value. They're just not in the right role for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, the other side of that, Pete, one of the most difficult is when the position outgrows the person. Um, when the person has been a key contributor for the growth of the organization, 
but the organization and the position has grown beyond them. That's one of the most difficult scenarios and, and in what do which you, do? you need to make an adjustment. Make that adjustment. Yes. That's my nice way of saying you need to help them exit from the organization. That's one of the most painful ones, too. Oh, I believe so. Yeah, because they've been a good performer, but they have outgrown the role and there's no place for them. But that also turns into an opportunity because if the exit is handled in such a way, you have a viable resource out there that could be a wonderful referral service to your organization. Um, I, I'm a I'm a big believer that you know we all will be moving in and out of jobs, and the the if we can have the exit process in a very professional uh, way uh, that we take emotion and, and all the other pieces out, that that person who's moving on can be a wonderful resource to the organization as long as they everybody's left on good terms and you've created a referral system from that. Correct, and not only referral for future employees. A referral for future business, Bingo. a referral for future introductions that might lead to future business. The same with your candidates that aren't a fit for the exact position that you have right now. And I do mention this in the book. You want to reject your candidates in a very positive way because who knows down the road? And recruiting is challenging enough as it is. If you find a person that's not a fit for job position A today, but three or four months down the road, you have job position B, what better resource do you have than to go back to, oh my gosh, you weren't a fit for this HR manager position, but we have an HR coordinator position open now. I think you'd be ideal for that. Are you still in the market? I've saved on my recruiting costs. I'm not re-recruiting because I kept a positive relationship with that individual. Or they might say, you know, no, I'm not looking anymore, but my friend Susie is. Right. She, I understand she's pretty much like me. May I make an introduction? Again, I've saved on my recruiting costs because I maintained a positive relationship with that individual. I left them with a positive feeling about my organization. So to put it in terms of 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 improv, mm-hmm. uh, you've you've had an exit process, or they, you did not ha- uh, bring them on board. But during the whole piece, you yes anded them to the point that when they it, when the decision was made that they weren't right for the role, that there was no animosity. Yes, and they might bring me business in the future too. Then I'll bump. Bing. Thank you, Pete. Um, I appreciate it. No, no, thank, thank you for that. That 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 helps wonderfully. Um, in respect to, of your time, I don't I don't want to take up too much because I know how busy you are. What's the one thing that you would like to tell my audience that you haven't already spoken about already that would that they would find to be very beneficial in the in the work environment? Great question. And I'm going to go back to what you had mentioned earlier about the book. And I even, when I'm speaking with HR professionals, go back to the basics, set up the basics of an HR department, no matter the size of your company, stick with the basics. They're, they're solid. They're tried. They're true. Stick with the basics, and that is going to reduce your drama with your HR. Wow. 
Thank you so very much, Karen. I'm so blown away by this conversation that I'm, I'm looking forward to when it is aired and the response that my audience will have to it because you provided so much value in such a short bit of time. So once, once again, thank you for taking time. I greatly appreciate it. And I know that you will be back on this podcast maybe a year later and we'll explore other areas of drama-free HR. So thank you, Karen. Pete, thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Bye now. What great advice for any entrepreneur, business owner, or any organization that employs people. My biggest takeaway was the discussion under current hiring practices where a potential candidate must review the core competencies, mission, and vision statement of the organization and articulate how they see themselves fitting in before receiving an application. To me, that was just absolutely mind-blowing. Boom! In our interview, I heard a number of references to the principles of improvisation. Early in the interview, she states, Our job in HR is to say yes and, but most of HR people say no. And we can't do that because that's what creates the drama. Also, she states, I found in my experience that most people, including employees, want to do the right thing, but where we fail is when we don't listen to them, don't take their ideas into consideration. We say yes, but instead of yes and. Karen's comments tie back to Carl Ulrich's comments in episode five, where he talks about retaining high-performing people. In essence, both of them are saying that if we take the time to listen to our employees and not just give them lip service, the more likely they will stay with your organization. The simple act of listening raises the level of respect within the organization. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes and write a review on my podcast. I mentioned earlier that it helps gain greater visibility within the iTunes community, but I'm always trying to learn, grow, and become better at what I do, and your feedback is important to me. And remember to sign up to the SN Challenge on my website, petermargaritas.com. Thank you again for taking time to listen to this podcast. I really value every audience member. In Episode 8, I interview Pam Devine, Director of Learning and Development for the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute. Until next time, happy improvising. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.